0: Hello and welcome to another mimic filled episode of Save Station Radio. Hello and welcome to another mimic filled episode of Save Station Radio. Hello and welcome to another mimic filled episode of Save Station Radio. Does this joke work in audio?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I can't tell. This one's not a mimic. This one is. Just hit all of them <laughs> with the wrench.
0: This week we are talking about Prey 2017. I have your host, Dustin, and with me is Cotter hello there hi how are you doing?
1: doing great done playing Prey 2017 man I never never need an excuse to replay this game.
0: right so this is Arcane Studios uh, first person shooter slash immersive sim slash RPG whatever you want to call that genre released for all the major consoles at the time uh, and PC for 2017. I guess the switch was out then so not 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 the switch.
1: Yeah, PC, PS4, and Xbox One.
0: Developed by Arcane and published by Bethesda, so technically a Microsoft Studios game now.
1: Now, yeah.
0: (laughs) Before we dive into this game, let's talk about a a Prey that never was.
1: Yes, the unreleased yet heavily worked on Prey 2.
0: Last episode we talked about uh, Prey 2006, Uh, so this this would have been a direct follow-on to that, just to catch everybody up.
1: Uh, yes, uh, the Prey 2006 did fairly well and was critically well-received. Uh, so, obviously, you know, just make a new one. So, Prey 2, as it was going to be called, was announced by 3D Realms, the, ma- the publishers of the original, in August 2006, which was one month after the first game's release. <laughs> hey, developers, guess what? You're going to be working on a sequel.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't feel like that's that uncommon we just don't usually hear about it right
1: yeah but it was announced to the public before the developers knew about it which always spells
0: trouble. oh okay i got you sorry i missed that that yeah that's wild
1: yeah it was uh i think the when the uh the press of a game gets ahead of the developers it always spells trouble we saw that with like that's not good stuff like sonic boom and it's like, hey, developers, guess what we already told people is going to happen? <laughs> Figure it out. What was that uh,
0: Final Fantasy VII Remake? It was Nomura. They announced it and then announced him as director, and he was like, what?
1: Yeah, they were like, hey, guess what? You're director. <laughs> good luck. <laughs> that one turned out okay, though.
0: They're probably not good, though. You should probably let people know.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure.
0: You know, maybe uh, maybe they don't want to work on that project. <laughs> maybe you should do some planning before that. <laughs>
1: Yeah, so Prey 2 kind of floated around after 2006. Like, it was mostly just them kind of thinking about ideas, what they want to do with the franchise. Obviously, the the end credits of Prey 1 kind of set it up for potential sequels. So, they're kind of just kicking around some ideas of what to do. A little bit later after that, in 2009, Bethesda buys id Software. Or, I guess, ZeniMax buys id Software, which owns Bethesda. And around 2009, as well, 3D Realms hands the trademark over to Radar Group, which was a s- sort of like separate organization that was founded by someone from 3D Realms, like one of the higher ups. Just weird, you know, legal nonsense. But then uh, Radar Group handed the trademark over to Zenimax, the parent company of Bethesda, and they now had the trademark. It was their job to kind of continue the game development. <laughs> Right, it's got so far. I think in two thousand nine ish, it got far enough for Zenimax to begin filing trademarks for merch for the game. Uh, Uh Again, still don't know anything about it, and no one's actually put any like firm design (laughs) to paper. I don't believe so. uh, Putting a cart before a horse, it looks like.
0: Truly, the cyberpunk of its time.
1: Well, it gets more cyberpunk as we go on. So Human Head, the developer of Pride 2006, they were working on the sequel. They were tasked with, you know, you did the first one, keep going. They were working through prior to the Bethesda acquisition as well. They mostly were just kind of, you know, pitching ideas. Uh, Matt Bisenius, I believe is how you pronounce that name. Uh, He's the associate producer of Human Head. He was got on record saying that 3D Realms announced the sequel way too early because obviously the developers just straight up didn't know about it until it was announced, which was rough. So as development sort of kicked into high gear, they're thinking about this more seriously. They mainly just took the themes and the story points from Prey 2006 and then like scrapped everything else. They're like, it's a sci-fi first-person shooter and we have fighting aliens and... And we have, you know, Tommy and uh, that kind of stuff. And that's about it. We're not following the same shooter structure. We're going with something else. Uh, So this dev time, you know, just kind of late. I want to say like late 2009, early 2010, they showed a game that was focused on a new character, which was U.S. Marshal Killian Samuels. Was his name? And he was on the plane that crashed in the first game.
0: (laughs) Oh, okay. Sure.
1: Uh, In the crash, gets abducted by the aliens. He loses his memory. And then many years pass, and we don't really know what happens in between that. But he's now a bounty hunter on the planet Exodus, which is separate from where he was. We don't know a whole lot about the story Going forward from that, he, uh, we knew he would bump into Tommy, the protagonist from the first game, who has some history from with him from the first game, which I don't know if we really saw. Killian has no memory of this, and Tommy, I guess, would have some like connection to him that wouldn't be fully explained or fully known by Killian.
0: Right. I mean, you get the idea that he would probably have gone on fighting based on that end credit scene.
1: Tommy? Yeah, for sure.
0: So that makes sense. That makes sense to me.
1: Yeah, which would explain why Tommy's on Exodus, which is separate from, you know, his bar on Earth. (laughs) Yeah, so this kind of tied into the gameplay. This was... uh, I I read somewhere that it was likely inspired by the recent release around, you know, 2009. Um, It was inspired by the recent release of Red Dead Redemption.
0: (laughs) Uh Oh, so a completely different video game.
1: (laughs) Yeah, they just liked the sort of idea of it and then decided to adapt some stuff to their sci-fi shooter. So it had Killian Samuels taking on bounties. He's a bounty hunter in Exodus. So he takes on bounties and you kind of have a lot of freedom of how to go about the task. You know, maybe you're going after a bounty and the target then offers you more money than they paid you to go kill someone else. So then you can choose to just kill him and take your reward or continue this other thread or maybe you just team up with him or all kinds of stuff that were was planned to have you know branching choices uh which was you know a huge departure from the original game which was a very linear just hallway shooter
0: right uh
1: they also had more movement options such as like dash moves and climbing and stuff uh they had a cover system they had the ability to take hostages and like hold them in front in during a fight or during a gunfight. And as this gameplay build you know progressed and got a little more fleshed out, Bethesda then reannounced the game in 2011 and said it was planned for a 2012 release. Is this when they put out that cool trailer? Uh perhaps so that would make sense.
0: Yeah, there's a trailer you can go watch. uh, why don't
1: you leave a link in the description for that yeah
0: i'll i'll find it um that kind of showcases some of this stuff the bounty hunter stuff at least um i'm pretty sure it's all pre-rendered i should have watched it before this i apologize um but that trailer was a big deal i remember people freaking out about it
1: yeah well and there is gameplay footage that exists i'll link there was a full like hour-long just compilation of all of the gameplay footage that was shown at like various conventions and uh, interviews and whatnot so it looked pretty cool honestly and it looks really impressive Uh, it's using the same engine that they used for the first game this sort of modified id tech 4 and even though they they had the option of using id tech 5 which was out by then they chose to still stick with their modified id tech 4 especially if they're going to continue with like their weird portal stuff that they had to work in there
0: they didn't want to use mega
1: textures <laughs> the mega textures you No know, mega textures in that game <laughs> the the drawing point of rage they were like okay well this works it was then that like, if you look at this gameplay footage, you would not be able to tell that it was running on this super old engine. It looks really impressive, especially for a late 360 game. So this is where it gets rough. Uh,
0: like yeah, the story does not end well.
1: No, well, obviously we know it's cancelled, but it gets, like, really bad. So Human Head, the you know development team of the game, they just flat out stopped working on the game towards the end of 2011. Remember this is slated for a 2012 release. Don't know exactly when, but you know, 2012. But there was just a variety of internal issues, and after no news in 2012, people speculated that it was canceled. Obviously, you haven't seen the game. <laughs> in August 2012, uh they took Prey 2 off of Bethesda's website, so they were like, okay, whatever, they people were like okay what happened is it canceled and they're like uh no we just want the website to focus on upcoming games (laughs) which is basically an admission of delaying it at least (laughs) yep so the reason that human head just kind of stopped in late 2011 was they were really upset with how bethesda was handling publishing apparently there's some reports of it of them just pushing the devs way too hard and making them sort of crunch for a 2012 release when they were not ready for it and also underpaying them you know not properly compensating them for their work sure.
0: or oh, video so, game industry
1: uh yeah it's it's really bad so in 2011 they all just went on strike and were like okay we refuse to work on this game anymore until you fix it
0: yep makes sense
1: Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, Bethesda did not seek to fix it. <laughs> so they just kind of let the contract run out in 2012 and then Human Head ditched the rights to Prey because Bethesda owned it. They just left Prey 2 entirely and they l- went on to do other things. They were no longer contract contractually obligated to work on the game. I think the main reason that like Bethesda was pushing them so hard was that they also wanted to buy them out and human head was like okay if you're going to treat us this badly you're not going to be able to buy us out so treat us better and they're like well okay (laughs) we're not going to do that so uh human Mm. head just left and that was uh about the last we would see of this prey (laughs) 2 around 2013 you know about a year after it was internally canceled uh not officially canceled It was rumored that Arcane was given the project. They were like, okay, well, we have this license and we want to do something with it. So here, Arcane, do something with it. And Arcane's like, okay, cool. Uh, We want to make a System Shock game because we're a huge fan of Looking Glass Studios and their work. And we also want to make a spiritual successor to our first game, Arx Fatalis. You know, having this big sort of interconnected dungeon structure we're just going to make it a space station and it'll be a system shock thing and they threw out pretty much everything human head worked on and they were like okay we're just taking it's a sci-fi shooter and you're fighting aliens that's about all we're taking from the original prey
0: i do want to say what a sad story from a pretty promising series or what could have been a pretty promising series What what a bummer that is to hear about you know, I think as we go on, you'll, you'll hear, like, I, I love this version of Prey, but, like, it is kind of heartbreaking to hear this story about, uh, you know, a Dream being treated like shit and the series not being handled properly. It's, it's a bummer.
1: I would have liked to live in a world where these two series could coexist. <laughs> like, if we had an opportunity to get this Prey 2 or something else as well as Arkane's system shock homage, I would be totally fine with that. I would love that. But because of the way licenses were handled and uh, developers were treated poorly and thrown around, it's unlikely that we'll ever see a Prey 2, a sequel to the 2006 Prey. And I think, you know, there's a part of me that thinks that Prey 2017 isn't really doesn't really live up to the name of being a sequel to the original. Oh, not at all. Yeah, it's it's its own thing. So using the same name kind of just takes away the power of the original game by then putting this in front of it, which you know, in my personal opinion, I think this game's better than the original Prey, but that's my opinion. And also it's you know, eleven years later, like they have more uh, knowledge of game development, and whatnot. But you know, if we had this Prey two as well as Prey twenty seventeen, I you know that would have been great. But it's it's just sad to hear that it all went it all went so bad.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: As of October twenty fourteen, Bethesda officially canceled Prey two, saying that you know this iteration of the project is canceled. Uh, at E3 2016, Bethesda then announced the rebooted Prey. They, it was being developed by Arcane, used almost nothing from Prey 2, and then this ver- this iteration of Prey came out in 2017.
0: Yep, what a history. What a What an interesting thing.
1: I have one more interesting thing about this whole Prey 2 debacle. Hit me with it. So Human Head got completely, you know, fucked over in the whole deal uh also kotaku got kind (laughs) of fucked over in this deal too oh i'm so Uh, glad you brought this up this was something i was gonna bring up (laughs) yeah it's wild so kotaku was the big leaker of prey 2 information that's where a lot of these sort of rumors that it was canceled and the background information of it came from a lot of that info was not authorized to be released to the public (laughs) so kotaku since they you know were going behind bethesda's back since 2015 has been blacklisted by Bethesda and will does not receive any review copies or interviews from Bethesda and hasn't for the last six years, basically.
0: So you don't, do you have the fire details of that? Cause there's an amazing quote.
1: No, if you got it, hit me with that. Okay.
0: So I, this is from memory. So apologies, but um, Jason Schreier, I think is the main source of all this. Um, who's now at Bloomberg, who we've, we've used in uh, safe station uh, reports and stuff. You know, he, he's kind of the go-to, like, gaming journalist. But, um, yeah, he was the source of leaker, leaked information from Bethesda. So much so, uh, it, they were obviously furious about it all the time, uh, that they got a hold of an internal email that was leaked to him that described, from Arcane, specifically from the studio working on this prey, because he leaked this, from the studio head, describing him as a press sneak fuck. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's brutal.
0: <laughs> which then um I guess th- they make fun of it all the time. I don't know if that's like a good relationship or not, but like when they talked about Deathloop, their most recent game, the studio heads came out in shirts that had big buttons that said sneak on them, <laughs> which is a reference to that.
1: Yeah, so there's actually an achievement in Prey 2017 that if you read every single email in the game the achievement is press sneak and it has that press that sneak button logo on it
0: i i think that's really funny i don't know what that relationship was like but I think yeah that's great.
1: i hope it's good between all of them but yeah that's it was kind of yeah. wild that this whole thing kind of shot kotaku in the foot
0: yeah i mean you know it, it is what it is Well, let's uh let's let's talk about prey 2017 then you know what? I, I want to take a minute i want to take a minute and complain on a tangent
1: okay i was just gonna say that if you're looking for background on arcane uh we'll cover that some other time yes we wanted to talk about prey 2 and talking about arcane as well would be a long story there's a wonderful no clip documentary on them i'll link that uh if you really want to watch that that's a great watch um we'll talk about them when we get to death loop or dishonored or something else
0: yes and by the way that that's my fault these episodes take a long time to edit and then i'm gonna extend it by uh by going off on a tangent i fucking hate the genre name immersive sim can i just <laughs> can we all just get on board with that's a bad genre name like yeah. i get it <laughs> it Fair describes enough. a group of video games but i think it does it poorly <laughs> like when you hear the words immersive sim i don't know to be i'm like okay that 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 sounds like a flight simulator or an arma or something (laughs) like that doesn't sound like you know more in depth first person shooter which is essentially what it means
1: yeah it's like it basically what an immersive sim is i i'll have a link to this as well this is um Uh, Game Maker Toolkit's RPG video it all kind of links back to Ultima Underworld which was a spin-off from Ultima and it was all about you know exploring these dungeons but you also had abilities that could be used in multiple ways and sort of creative ways that then spawned into stuff like the original Deus Ex games Thief System Shock uh, then later into stuff like Bioshock and whatnot but It's basically where it's a first person shooter or first person action game usually, and it will have systems in place that can be used in multiple ways and can be used multiple different school skills can be used to solve multiple different puzzles in different ways. Uh yeah, Immersive Sim I don't think really gets that across, but that's what it
0: is. Not at all. And even some of those games, like I don't like Bioshock's fairly linear in terms of like how you can do things. It's just such a weird genre name. To me, it's always communicated like a world that is fully built out. Like that's the thing that I've always taken from it. Like you can see the mechanical like how does how does this world work? It's it's so interesting because people don't describe things like Dead Space as one, even though that game was system shock 3 at a certain point i think literally because it's a third person game which is dumb um
1: yeah and you could like make the argument that is breath of the wild an immersive sim
0: oh and i was i was just about to say i would make the argument that resident evil 7 and 8 are immersive sims because they're first person games with lots of like note reading and whatever like I, i don't know it's such a dumb distinction I get why it needs to be a distinction but it also at the same time it's like it's a bad if it if you have to describe a genre by naming a bunch of games in that genre
1: it's not great yeah, it's, it's a very niche subgenre of a subgenre <laughs> so it's like yeah. you know it's whatever
0: and I have the same problem by the way with roguelike as a genre term <laughs> come on it's a bad one
1: yeah because roguelike is like a is like the adjective of a genre like it could be a roguelike action game or roguelike it's not specific either way it's also
0: just referring to an old video game called rogue which just makes my head want to explode because like yeah it's wild except for nerds like us know what rogue
1: is people who are into (laughs) roguelikes it's so dumb
0: whatever whatever that's my tangent prey 2017 immersive sim arcane studios literally i don't think there's any story connection to Prey one at all
1: <laughs> there's not it is in complete completely separate universe
0: yes um, so yeah first shooter rpg mechanics um essentially you are part of this crew this crew aboard a space station called talus one um you and your brother are high up in the chain of command i'm not sure
1: You are the directors of the station. Yeah,
0: you're the directors. I don't know if you, like, own the operation.
1: Uh, You are the children of the head board members of the company.
0: Right. So, yeah, you're important. And essentially the core premise is, I don't really want to spoil the opening. This is, like, one of those weird things where I do think it's a fun surprise. So, we're just going to skip all of that and just say, it's basically being invaded by a hostile uh, alien race i can't remember what the name is the typhon the typhon and yeah it's an immersive sim where you are trying to figure out how to handle the situation um i think the first thing you find out that you can do is your first goal is to blow up the station and then you go on from there um and get you know choices and story differences and it's a lot of like you will spend a good amount of your time reading emails (laughs) it's one of those kinds of games and yeah, I think that's that's a that's a core the core premise of Prey.
1: Yeah, so also on the station are something called neuromods which can give you just different abilities. They basically just function like stat points, but you pick them up and with those you can unlock new abilities. Uh, I think most of like the promotional ones, the big like mind-blowing one is the mimic matter one. <laughs> Uh, which allows you to transform into any you know, sort of small object, and then you can be that small object for a while., uh, so it gives you a bunch of these different, uh, a bunch of these different skills that you can use and use to progress the game in a variety of ways, however, you can think to do it. Um, the other big thing that I want to mention here is the glue cannon. Uh, Yeah, like the most just liberating weapon in most in any game it's a gun that shoots glue big old globs of glue you can use it to you know stun enemies you just freeze them in place you stick them there and then that gives you an opportunity to go whack them with your wrench or shoot them or whatever but you can also use it to stick it to walls and surfaces and then once it's stuck to a surface you can then climb on it so you can use it in really creative ways to you know, explore and climb up places that you maybe weren't supposed to get to just yet. Or there's a way up that you need certain abilities for, but you don't have those abilities. So you just use your glue gun and make a creative staircase to get up there.
0: Yeah. And that is a core core tenet of this game is kind of that non-linear progression, which I think for the most part, it excels at there's usually like at least two different ways to get into a room. Um, sometimes a lot more, uh, that glue gun is part of that it is and I agree with you it is one of the best weapons ever I love that thing so much even in the world context where it's like this thing is used to you know temporarily fix like holes because you're in a space station so you need that sort of thing
1: yeah like a pipe is busted and is shooting flames so you can use the glue gun to fix the leak until you get proper tools to like replace the part or whatever
0: it reminds me of like the rivet gun in Bioshock 2 where it's yeah, like, oh, this, this so. has a practical in-world purpose, or the, the what's it called in Dead Space, whatever that main weapon of the game is. Um, yeah, the laser cutter. Yeah, it's like, this this has a practical application, and it feeds into the lore and world building super well.
1: And is also just a cool tool to use in a shooter.
0: <laughs> yes. I want to praise this game for essentially being the opposite of Prey 1, in terms of, like, having this incredibly well thought out and flushed out sci-fi world this is one of those like works of fiction where they detail everything you could think of
1: yeah it is insane Um, if
0: you have questions about how the world functions there's probably an answer somewhere in there and yeah i know i'm sure there's somebody who could nitpick it to death but like for the most part it accounts for almost everything and it does that to such an amazing tale and it is so fun to get lost in and read all these
1: notes and the the attention to detail and world building i think is also conveyed and this is just a very personal thing that i love uh by the architecture and interior design of the game which is like the nerdiest thing to focus on but the actual like in universe station you're in the year 2035 yeah but the timeline of like real life to game world splits around like 1958 so you know the design choices that you know humanity has gone through are very different because of what has happened and how space travel has excelled and faster than it has in our universe so like the interior design of the station has this very futuristic take on 70s art deco style yes that's So it has a very distinctive look that works, that is then explained in-universe as well.
0: And, and it's just, it's so good at world building. Um, and one of my favorite things is learning about all the relationships between the different crew members. You know, reading their emails back and forth, reading how they cooperate, reading how they uh, antagonize each other. And all that stuff is handled super well, and for the most part, it all feels very real. I think there's like one side quest that I think is a bit cheesy, but... For the most part, I really love all that stuff.
1: Yeah, it's so wild because, like, this is a fully staffed space installation. So it's not a small crew. Like, there were, and most of them are dead now, obviously, because it's, you know, a video game that takes place after a disaster. But it's so thought out that there are probably about 70 to 100 crew members on this thing, and each one is given their own name, their own job, like, location, and several of them have multiple, you know, character links to other crew members that you can either find in emails, you can find maybe, like, in the crew list they have the same last name, maybe their siblings working on it, or maybe they, you know, actually have audio logs detailing them talking to each other which is mainly reserved for the main side characters but yeah so that very attention to detail it's also where you can find every single person somewhere on the station whether it be their corpse or their <laughs> they're alive and you can find them but
0: yeah um it, it the game shows that off to you like there are side quests and i think part of the main quest too where you need to go to like a specific area and like on on a terminal in that area, you can look up the crew that are working there and specifically track a specific member. And that's kind of the first time it communicates to you, hey, you know, dead bodies you find, they all matter. They all have names. It's not just set dressing, which I, I think is remarkably impressive.
1: It's also kind of necessary for the setting because it's, you know, it's a space station like you would... If you were a space station, you would know everyone that's on the space station cuz there's very clear transport lines to it. So it it works again with the world, but it's very cool to see the attention to detail on the writing as well as, you know, actual level design and world design of thinking who, how many people you'd need to work here or where they're going to be placed and assigned and there's so much work that went into that.
0: Yeah, um, and that detail goes to, like, where do the crew sleep? Oh, here they are. Here's where they exercise. Here's where they, you know, do recreational activities. Like, you know, there's, like, a whole D&D little subplot you can find. You know, here's where they eat with each other. Um, here's the lobby of Talos 1. Like, where there's a lounge area. And then, like, how well, how do they get supplies under the ship? Well, here's the loading bay and the uh, the places where shuttles can dock. But also they have fabricators which they can put materials into to craft things. Like it is just that remarkably well thought out space. It is probably one of my favorite video game spaces, I guess.
1: Yeah, cuz it feels very it doesn't feel, you know, realistic where obviously it's a, you no, know, fictional but it city. feels but
0: like plausible. Like it feels like realistic to the world.
1: Very tangible.
0: It's not like Prey one where I had to like kind of make up a reason why the ship didn't make any sense architecturally. Where I was like,
1: "Yeah, they have portals; they could just do whatever they want." Yeah. Yeah. Well, also, it's because the architecture is the way because it's video game.
0: <laughs> yeah, totally. Whereas this feels real. Well, also not too much um, getting in the way of it being a video game. I say too much because it is one of my criticisms actually, but like for the most part, it works. Um, And yeah, the technology, I do want to uh, stop on the fabricating stuff because that is a mechanic in the game where you can take resources and get raw materials for them and then use those raw materials to craft things. It is probably one of the most satisfying crafting mechanics in any video game uh, because pretty much every consumable material, like major consumable material you can create, including your skill points.
1: Yeah, it's, that's I don't know
0: why. That's one of the most mind blowing things to me though. (laughs) Like I love that so much.
1: Pretty much any item that can go in your inventory can be broken down into raw material with the exception of like food items and just straight up junk. Pretty much every tool or item or like you said the skill point stuff all of that you can find crafting recipes for and then if you find a then fabricator you can make another of that item as long as you have the resources for it.
0: Yeah, and it's just so good. Like, that's such a fun mechanic.
1: It's also great because it really plays into the variety in gameplay that this game emphasizes. So, like we said, a lot of puzzles will have multiple different solutions. So, if there's one that you can think of but don't have the resources for, you can then just go craft one real quick and then use it and then... If you don't want it clogging your inventory, you can drop it on the floor if you really want to. Or you could just take it back to the recycler and recycle it again. Um, There was one where there's a... In the game, and we'll get back to this, there's a dart gun that you can get. which just shoots nerf darts. Uh, This is the second
0: best thing in this game, by the way. Next to the
1: glue. (laughs) Just a real nerf gun that shoots nerf bullets that don't do any damage.
0: my one criticism with that, it should do one point of damage
1: it should do one i
0: want to be able to finish off enemies with it because i think that would be really funny
1: (laughs) just really disrespectful to the enemy yeah uh but it could be used if you point it at a button you can shoot a button and it'll unlock a door which is cool if you can maybe maneuver your, your way around and find a Tiny gap in a window that then you could see the button. Like it's locked from the other side, but you could see the button that would open it. So you can use your Nerf gun to shoot the button, and then it'll unlock the door for you to go in. Uh, I found one of those doors, and uh, there was a couple different ways. I was trying to use the mimic ability to maybe squeeze through the gap, but I couldn't quite get the jump right, and because it was up on a weird ledge or whatever. So I just went to the fabricator, crafted a Nerf gun, (laughs) went back up, shot the button went in you know looted the room or whatever and then i was done with the nerf gun i didn't want it in my inventory anymore so i just recycled it and got some of the materials back and then talking about the
0: lore behind that like you you, you know if i know and it's, it's like you know just these like goofballs were like hey we made this stupid huntress Bowcaster thing you know we're just gonna run around and shoot each other with it <laughs> it's like oh
1: okay yeah well and it's great because then also you see the emails of like oh this this iteration of the bolt caster is just too loud or like i i don't like this i don't like how slow you have to put the the bullets in and then later you can find upgraded recipes for it where they're like okay we fixed this error here's the new uh blueprint for it so they're like iterating on it and you get to see their sort of feedback and design spots on it it's very very cool
0: yeah this is very much a a well thought out world we should also say i don't think we ever said it's very much a horror game in a lot of ways
1: oh yeah especially i think a lot of immersive sims this is kind of something that comes with this niche genre is the early part of the game is very much a horror game and then the later part of the game is a lot more action yeah i I think so as you that's gain so power the enemies become less scary that's kind of just the nature of how these games work so yes yeah, uh it is very much a horror game especially at the start
0: yeah and i think part of that is the mimic enemy which i is not unique to prey other things have done mimics before but i think Prey has done it the best i've ever seen where the mimic enemy they're basically like little little alien guys <laughs>
1: Little cute little goose spiders.
0: Yeah, goose spiders is right. I don't know if I'd say cute, but they uh they can transform into <laughs> objects, right? So they can just transform into any sort of common object. So and they pop out of pop out at you when you get close. So it trains you to look around the environment, investigate it, and if you see multiples of a thing, <laughs> to go run up and smash them immediately. Uh, which I think is brilliant because also. They totally screw with you, too, where sometimes you'll see multiples of a thing and not neither of them are a mimic. They just put them there because they knew you'd whiff on them.
1: <laughs> but also, it's like, sometimes it's very contextual where you'll see a desk, but there's two desk chairs. And you're like, wait a minute, there shouldn't be two desk chairs here. Or someone's desk will have two cups of coffee. And it's like, you wouldn't need two cups of coffee.
0: Yeah, it's uh, fantastic.
1: And usually... I stress usually there's like one or two instances where there is this isn't the case if a mimic is turned into an object then that object is usually nearby so if it's turned into something that you could pick up and you're like oh cool and then you try and grab it and it's a mimic and it attacks you or whatever then you can think okay well how did they mimic into that like that item must be somewhere close
0: yeah it's essentially like they took that you know that gary's mod game type prop hunt and made it work as a single player thing
1: and then again as a multiplayer thing when they did the expansion
0: yeah they did do some multiplayer stuff for this talk about combat then because that is another big piece of this game though you know less heaven size than the exploring so i think through two-thirds of the game the combat is pretty good you, you know you you're fighting the mimics which i think are fantastic and then you're fighting the sort of the, the more common enemy you'll be facing are, are these typhon that are like humanoid in shape and they'll shoot they look like plasma balls they're not at you
1: they're like psychic attack yeah
0: and then there are like elemental versions that will shoot electricity and fire um, and I the think
1: f- the phantoms, yes.
0: so to get so to get my criticism out of the way of the combat, I think it's fantastic when you're only dealing with like oh, let's say up to three enemies. I think any more than that, it becomes confusing and kind of a mess.
1: Yeah, that's fair.
0: It's just enemies are very they're not bullet spongy, but they can well, they can be actually. They can really melt your health and <laughs> they could do that to you off screen. Um, the plasma balls come at you very fast like very fast and it's hard to avoid sometimes
1: obviously because of this this is not a game you're going to be rushing head first into combat with because you'll die very quickly if you do that Uh, but this is where I found one of the abilities the psycho shock very helpful Uh, the psycho shock is a psychic attack that you know just directly attacks the enemy's brain but it also blocks all of their psychic powers which includes a lot of the enemy enemies' projectiles.
0: <laughs> See, I didn't get that, and that that is the thing. So that is the point I'm driving to. Is I do think if you play it a certain way, that experience becomes much easier and much better. It actually kind of reminds me of some of the problems Dishonored has, where like their other stealth game, Dishonored, um, where like those games, they give you tons of really cool gadgets. But they all kill people, and then those games tell you if you kill people, it makes the world bad. So you don't want to kill people, uh, but then you do miss out on all the cool gadgets. And I kind of feel the same way about this game, where they they kind of disincentivize you from wanting to try the Typhon stuff, um, story-wise. And then you kind of miss out on a bunch of cool abilities. It's a weird thing, and I hope they find a better balance with this, with uh, Deathloop coming up because I do think it can lead to a a little bit of a worse experience because I think without some of those Typhon abilities, the core combat, it just like falls apart, especially in the latter third of the game. The latter third of the game is honestly where most of my criticisms lie, um, where they're just throwing enemies at you all the time.
1: Oh, yeah, it could get really difficult. Like You have a lot of powers, and you're probably pretty stocked on resources, but yeah, there's a lot to deal with
0: there's a lot to deal with it's definitely a game that uh you know use that quick save option which is available on console which is nice too but use that option a lot <laughs> the ability i used the most during this playthrough was the um oh I, don't, I can't remember what it's called but it's the time dilation one
1: the combat focus
0: yeah which um you know it slows down time and you can get upgrades so you move faster during it and also you do more damage i found that to be the most useful But even then, I I found the combat to be very difficult. And so the thing I really, really want to stress about this game, it is set up in a way that really encourages exploration and punishes main pathing it because you will not be as upgraded. Which for this playthrough, because I'd already played the game, I said, I'm just going to do the main main path. I'm not going to really worry about side quests. Bad idea. I ended up spending a lot of time failing at combat challenges and being frustrated particularly at the latter half of the game because of that like do not play this game if you do not plan on exploring
1: (laughs) yeah that's a main drive and we have complimented the act of exploring i love you know just looting all of the areas but then figuring out the world and the space of it that's a main driving focus of the game which i'm into but yeah you have to kind of know that going in
0: so yeah, that that is the, my biggest warning and I do think even if you do all that the third act of the game does kind of become I don't I hesitate to say it's a slog because it's not like that bad but it is very much you're not really going to new areas you're kind of just running around the areas you've already been in doing some basically what amount of fetch quests uh, and I do think that that is an area of the game where it just just kind of it, it dips in quality for me.
1: Yeah, I I think I would agree with that where uh and I honestly I had played this before playing it again for this episode and I forgot a lot of the third act.
0: (laughs) I did too. Like getting to this playthrough again, I was like, Oh yeah.
1: (laughs) Oh yeah. They add like an entire antagonist and like another antagonist. And I'm like, Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. I don't remember any of this. It was weird because yeah, the third act definitely throws a lot at you. There's like enemies in every single area and a lot of really challenging enemies. So I think that leads to the sort of feeling of it being a slog because I definitely felt that too. And I was a person that did not feel bogged down when I was making my 19th trip through the same area to do like every side quest I could possibly do because, you know, you can sprint through it. You can, as you sort of make a mental map, you can figure out shorter routes or maybe just alternative routes to avoid the one or two enemies but yeah that third act where there's like 12 enemies in a single room and it's kind of the only way to get to where you need to go and you have to just either run past them which you're going to take some damage or deal with them which you're going to use up a lot of resources that's where it can get a little bit tiring
0: yeah totally um the other thing i do want to say is the pc version the game pass version i played very glitchy i uh experienced a lot of bugs i don't really remember experiencing on ps4 back in the day maybe i did that was a while ago so you know can't really speak to that anymore you did play that version so you can
1: yeah i found a couple bugs
0: (laughs) yeah it was just like quests that bugged out on me especially in the third third act there was areas where i was being shot through walls (laughs) which was not fun there is an enemy i'm trying to talk around don't really want to spoil too much that is supposed to go away after a certain amount of time that they just straight up didn't (laughs) um
1: oh that's not good
0: (laughs) and it was also shooting me through walls so it it just had this kind of general feeling of unpolishedness at the third act which you know contributed to my frustrations so you know be warned on that again use that quick save button liberally
1: (laughs) yeah uh the only glitches i had a glitch on Uh, so the first time i played this i played it on pc i played the steam release and then for this episode i played it on ps4 and on pc there's a quest where you have to kill a specific enemy in an area and it leads to this really cool side quest that has a lot of really great moments Uh, my first playthrough on pc the enemy was clipped outside of the wall and i could not kill it (laughs) so i missed out on all of that (laughs) which was yeah. really disappointing. And I didn't realize how disappointing it was until I actually did it this time. and was like, oh, wow, that's super cool.
0: So for me, this time, uh, my quest bugging out moment was very obvious in the moment because it tasks you with basically rendering an NPC unconscious and then bringing them to a med bay. And I did all that. And it's also very, it's during the last third of the game. So it's very stressful to do that. There's enemies all over the place. Uh, did all that work, got that person there. Uh, the quest never triggered.
1: Oh, bummer.
0: Uh, spent oh, lots no, of time. Oh, no, that one's
1: actually, that one's different because you don't have to take them to a med bay. You just have to leave the area and then wait a while.
0: No, you do. Uh, it depends on when you do it. So there are different, because pla- I looked all this up. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> so, yes. Yeah. So from where I was at, it was said, bring them to this med bay. It gave me an objective marker to do that. Um, Did that quest never triggered. You know, spent a lot of time. Bring this person in and out of the room, never worked, said fine, paused it, looked up some Steam forums, and they were like, yeah, this just doesn't work sometimes. <laughs> and so uh, reloaded it. Thankfully, it worked. It's hard. I don't want to talk spoilers around it, but there's an event that happens in the area you're supposed to do this in. If you bring this person to the medbay before this event happens, then it works. If the event happens before that, the event never triggers. <laughs> it's.
1: Oh, that's, it, yeah.
0: It was just some frustrating jank that made me lose a lot of time, which I was not thrilled with.
1: The jank that got me was um, this game also has optional additional challenges where you can have your character's weapons degrade in uh, quality. Like they'll break after a certain amount of time. Uh, And there's a really easy skill to just repair it. So even though I had that turned on, it was never an issue. The one that does is certain enemy attacks and environmental hazards can cause physical traumas. So you'll be burned and your health bar will be lower or you'll start bleeding out and you can't like you can still do all the things. You can sprint and jump, but sprinting and jumping hurts you. (laughs) And the easiest way to do this, other than finding a item to heal it or go to a fabricator and craft it the easiest way to do this is to just go to a medical operator a little floaty robot and they'll just heal all of it for you the one that bugged out on me was i was burned so my health bar was cut in half and then i was healed all the way up to that half and when i talked to the operator it read you're at full health you're fine instead of you're burned, you need to be healed. So I was like, I only have half a health bar, help me, please. And it's like, no, you're fine, figure it out. (laughs) No, please.
0: Brutal on Talos one.
1: You have to take like one point of damage, and then they're like, okay, yeah, we'll heal you now.
0: (laughs) Weird. Yeah, that's... Yeah, and I also had another bug uh, to do with a main quest where a character ended up dying because I couldn't get to a place because enemies were preventing me from hitting a button which also was not super fun
1: <laughs> oh yeah i had one where an as a character was talking an enemy snuck into the office and killed all the people in it
0: that's at least an emergent like system. like thing. i saw this it coming but i was like oops <laughs> yeah this thing that happened to me was a legitimate like this shouldn't be happening and i this character is going to die because i cannot move this elevator
1: <laughs> which oh is,
0: yeah which was not great um I rolled with it. It was one of those things where I'm like, okay, fine. You're dead now.
1: Yeah, if you make a game that's heavily dependent on all of its systems working and it there's some jank where certain systems are not going to interact. That's not like a full excuse, especially for some of the stuff like quests not triggering. But like if an enemy clips outside of the wall, it's because the enemy is doing some stuff.
0: Yeah, so, you know, be wary of that stuff. You might have some frustration. That being said, even though I have problems with the third act of the game... You should play this game. Like it very much reminds me of Bioshock, where I am of the camp that the ending of Bioshock isn't great. Like I think the last boss fight is bad and dumb and obvious, but I think the journey's worth it. And I feel the same way here. Or like the the exploratory nation of the station. Like it it's all worth it. You should definitely give it a shot.
1: Oh yeah, I love. I absolutely adore this game. Like this is probably one of my, if it's like one of top five first-person shooters for me um which i know it's sort of teetering on edge of genre because genres are weird to define but i love this game but yeah there are some things that are a little bit jank and um i will say the ps4 version was noticeably less buggy than the pc version so if that's something you're worried about just play it on console uh this game's also ridiculously cheap nowadays like you could find it for ten dollars some places yeah definitely give this a shot it's well worth it uh, something we talked about in when talking about Prey 2006 was you know cultural representation which was a huge part of that because the main character in Prey 2006 was a, a native american and they sort of p- pulled that culture in and had a lot of like feedback on that uh this game also does that it doesn't do specifically native american but it does a lot of other things to make it very diverse and very you know, accurate and respectful to different, uh, different kinds of people. So there are, you know, canon LGBT characters and relationships that sort of are very fleshed out in that sense. There's also many different kinds of you know people of color with very authentic names and cultures and accents and stuff. They got actual people to play the characters, and then asked the voice actors as well as other staff to you know consult them on making sure it was authentic and respectful the main character is i can't remember the exact it's like they're half german half japanese i want to say and you know they i find that kind of refreshing in a sea of white dude with gun games. Um, You can also pick between male and female protagonists because it really doesn't matter to the story. So they're like, sure, do what you want. That
0: is a thing that like, it'll present you with that. Well, I guess there is a character. You'll hear their voice, but really?
1: Yeah, they have, you know, the standard grunts and pain noises. And then, yeah, they have a couple dialogue lines. But yeah, it's whatever you feel like you want to play as. Yeah, I find all of that just really refreshing as well as you know kind of again playing into the world building of they just took all of these brilliant scientists didn't really matter like the rest of the stuff doesn't really matter but then they feel like real people you know they feel like people who have their own relationships and feelings and you know likes and dislikes and yeah it's really great to see that they went that extra step which you know shouldn't be a huge deal but um it's just really nice to see
0: yep 100 percent. well we are going to move on to spoilers so and i again recommend you play this game for sure uh, you will be sold on the intro i promise you so yeah we'll see you later talk about the best part of the game the intro
1: yeah this intro is so good
0: obviously if you've seen it you know it loses its magic a little bit but like boy what a fun just like twist on what you're expecting and it's just so goddamn good like because they present you as you know you're living in this apartment uh you're getting calls uh, about going on board Talos one but they need to run tests so you go do that it feels like a very mundane thing you get in this helicopter
1: (laughs) very mundane your average helicopter ride to work
0: yeah sure yeah yeah we all have those right also very cool way to do the intro by the way with like the studio's names on buildings and stuff very stylized
1: if you look out, there's a beautiful view over the Bay Area. And there's the Arcane logo all the way across the Golden Gate Bridge. Very yeah. good.
0: Yeah, it's it's great. It must be the Bayonetta two intro. <laughs> but you know they run tests on you, weird <laughs> tests on you that are like hide in this room. There's only a chair there, and like. And then they're
1: whispering, like, is she hiding behind the chair?
0: Yeah, and and when you know why they're doing that, it it really kind of opens up the, like, oh, that's cool. You know, having you take the, uh, I forget what that test is called, but it's the, you know, would you push the fat man in front of the train? Like, that's a...
1: Yeah, the trolley problem.
0: Yeah, um, doing all that. Very, very cool. And then, you know, waking up again and having mimics there, having something's wrong. And finding that first wrench and then figuring out how to get out of your building and realizing, okay, I'm going to go smash the window. And you go to do that and it goes slow-mo as you smash the window of the San Francisco skyline. And the window smashes and on the other side is just like a monitoring station and all the glass is flying all over the place that was actually a screen. And it is like, it is awesome.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and it's so... I love, you know, the big reveal of you were actually on the space station the whole time and this was all just an illusion to make you think you were doing the tests. I love that aspect of it. I also love their attention to detail where the layout of your apartment building and the layout of your work building are almost identical because you don't actually move anywhere. You get in the helicopter, the helicopter stays put, you get out of the helicopter after the scene around you has changed and then you go back into the same room you were only now it looks like your office building. (laughs) So the layout is very meticulous as well as down to, you know, things they change the decor in the rooms and they do that by just like, you know, rotating the walls around. So there's a plant on one side and there's not in the other side and they just flip the wall around. But it's so specific that they also add scratch marks to the floor where the wall would turn. (laughs) So if you're playing super close attention, you could see that there is the scratch marks where you could see the wall turn around. Um, And then you can also see, like, scuff marks on the tile where your shoes would be because you just walked through it. Like, it's very, very cool that they thought all of this out in universe as well.
0: Yeah. And something we did not talk about with the universe building stuff. I love the looking glass technology, um, which, you know, looking glass is obviously a reference to. The, uh, the developers of Fief and System Shock and Bioshock later on. Um,
1: I think they were defunct by Bioshock, but yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, but you get the idea. It's, it's a reference to that. Um, but that technology of, like, these... I mean, what essentially, like... These displays that are like if 3D technology was actually good.
1: Yeah, so in, in the video game, it looks very good because you know they just can just actually render a 3d space and then have you look into it with a basically a portal but in universe it's a flat screen that then projects this 3d image that you would be able to see a full 3d environment through the screen
0: yeah it's very cool um this is a very cool sci-fi concept and idea and so those screens are all around the helicopter simulation and like you can play with that and smash one of them and then start the simulation and watch it and see like one tile's broken and like it just shows the inner workings of the space station behind it. It's it's just so cool. <laughs> like like everything <laughs> yeah, this, about oh, that oh, is man. amazing.
1: Did you know you can also smash the fish tank? I did. Yeah, there's a fish tank in the hallway that is also the same looking glass tech, like there's no fish in it. So you can use that to break out of this simulation.
0: Oh, I didn't know you could break out from there. Um, the thing I had a moment though this playthrough, I think I told you about earlier on. But the looking glass technology is used everywhere. Um, but there's a there's sort of an atrium area where they grow food. Um, sort of this gardeny, lush green area um, with big windows to the outside. There is a pond in that area, and a mimic ran onto that pond and became a a lily pad. Uh, like some of the others on there. So I went to go smash it and turns out the pond is just looking glass. And when you smash it, you fall down beneath.
1: Yeah. I straight up did not. If I figured that if I saw that the first playthrough, I did not remember it. It was wild.
0: This was definitely my first time seeing it. Cause I was like, Oh my God, I never saw this. <laughs> this is amazing.
1: I had been under there because you can go, you know, around, I think back of one of, one of the security stations or, like there's another window that you can get in there but yeah the fact that like this isn't even a real pond
0: (laughs) it rules it's so good
1: uh another really cool detail is that certain maintenance hatches you find will actually lead to the behind of the looking glass to where if something breaks they would send someone to crawl through and then you know fix it and like most of the looking glasses in the game actually have like a little maintenance hatch that you can open and then go behind where you would need to do maintenance for it. Yeah.
0: Super, super cool. Um, another moment I want to highlight, cause it's different for pretty much everybody is the first time the nightmare shows up. Yeah. Cause they don't warn you at all. And the nightmare is basically a giant Typhon that it'll just show up at some point in your game in a random location. And periodically, especially if you're using teramot, uh turomods, Neuromods, to give you Typhon abilities, it'll show up more and more. But the idea is that it'll show up in an area, then there'll be a countdown timer. And so you have to hide from it or fight it. And it's a tough enemy, so you could be using a lot of resources if you want to fight it. So hiding from it also works. Most of the time, sometimes that counter gets to zero and that thing just stays there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> this was the one that I... the a person was talking too long and then the counter and then they just showed up and came into the office and killed everyone in my office i'm like no stop it
0: (laughs) yeah and the first time it happens it's super cool i i did feel like later on in the game it became a nuisance and there is a side quest where you can kind of get rid of it but if you don't do that it's it's it can pop up at some inconvenient times
1: yeah there were some times where i would find a hiding spot and then just literally park my character there for two minutes (laughs) which is not and thrilling gameplay sitting under a desk for two minutes
0: (laughs) yeah it's one of those things where you're like ooh, maybe go take some cues from a resident evil or something (laughs) have it like actually hunt you to make that a little bit more interesting but yeah super cool the first time though like surprising it doesn't telegraph it to you it's it it's a great moment
1: yeah you can literally just turn a corner and see this giant typhoon like about to kill you and be like oh god
0: (laughs) Yep, it's super cool Another thing I want to highlight, even though I did not see it, this playthrough, which again is something that I think this game excels at. The first time I met a human being, my first playthrough, you know, in 2017 on PS4, was the woman who's outs- Show? Yeah, outside in a space suit. And it's like, I forget where you do that, I think it's in the pool area, maybe? It is in the pool area. Yep. and she floats by the window, and it's like the surprising because you have not seen human life or living human life the whole game, and then she shows up, and you're like, "Oh, hi," a person
1: who's alive.
0: Yeah, it's it's really cool. Did you see that this time around? Because I know you didn't see it the, your first time because we were talking about it.
1: Yeah. So this was in order to trigger this quest, at least for me, I believe. I honestly, some some quests have like if something different happens, then the entire quest is like completely different. And so it, at least in both of my playthroughs, you have to kill the telepath that's in the cafeteria in the crew quarters. Uh, this will then let the chef uh, let you, you know, he'll open the window so you can talk to him and he gives you some other quests. But as part of this, then you can knock on the window to summon Daniel, Daniel, danielle show outside the window and yeah i did not see this because in the first playthrough because that telepath had clipped through the window and i couldn't kill it um oh but that's in this one i was able to
0: see i killed it this time but i never saw her in person like that she did contact me though at a certain point to give me the quest to kill the chef i think okay. that's her Um, yeah 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 but she just contacted me over the radio and was like you're alive so like it can happen in different ways which is so interesting
1: yeah well and it's also crazy because like this is kind of a character that if you're reading all of the emails and listening to the audio logs you kind of know about and know that her she was forming a relationship with another crew member and the other crew member you can find her body in the freezer in the chef's in the kitchen
0: (laughs) the chef who's not the chef
1: no yeah the chef turns out to be an escape or no a a stowaway who is there to steal scientific equipment and neuromods to take back and sell
0: yeah super interesting um a critique i have i should have mentioned this earlier with the world building stuff The only thing I feel like feels out of place is the amount of guns.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of guns.
0: (laughs) Yeah, like a lot of guns. Like, there's shotguns and handguns all over the place. And I do feel like it's the one bit of world building that I'm like, you know. Why would you need
1: this many guns?
0: (laughs) Yeah, or, you know, like you get fabrication plans for them. So, you know, I don't feel like you needed to just put them everywhere.
1: (laughs) Well, especially if you're not using the weapon durability, you really only need the one. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, you know, you don't need any more. And it does kind of break the reality of the world where it's like, this is a space station, like you said, with like maybe a hundred people on it. You really need all these security weapons? <laughs> like,
1: um, I think it's said that every crew member is given a standard issue silenced pistol, which why is it silenced? I don't quite know. But and I guess that's fair because, you know, they're researching the Typhon and they know the Typhon is dangerous. The shotguns are a little bit much. <laughs>
0: shotguns are a little bit much. Yeah, it's it's weird. And also I I do kinda wish uh back to the combat area if you're not doing Typhon mods being a little little rough. If they were gonna go that far, I just kinda wish they had a little bit more variety. Like, I don't know, if you're gonna do that, then give me some sort of machine gun or something. Like to help make this combat a little bit easier.
1: The only two like guns, proper guns, are the pistol and the shotgun. Uh, There's also the you know, main tool, the glue cannon, which is useful. Uh, there's a stun gun the
0: immersive sim the wrench
1: (laughs) the wrench of course very system shock very bioshock the glue cannon which we talked about the huntress bolt bolt caster which does zero damage uh the only other real weapon that quote-unquote deals damage is the q-beam which
0: i did not find this playthrough
1: oh wow there's a lot of them (laughs) so didn't find it (laughs) yeah the q-beam is really cool the the Q-beam fires a laser at an enemy, and it doesn't actually really deal damage. Instead, it will fill their health bar green, and if it fills their entire remaining health green, then they explode. So, if you weaken them with another enemy, that's less Q-beam you have to use. Or, if you use the Q-beam just the whole time, you can hold a continuous laser on them, then that you can get their whole health bar, and it actually is faster <laughs> sometimes. Um, and there's also certain enemies who are weak to it like it kills mimics extremely quickly this was a playthrough that i and it's a weapon that you get like pretty late into the game maybe like halfway through but yeah i did find some pretty good use out of it so i
0: realized i said this twice now but we didn't mention one of the best weapons maybe the best weapon which is the recycler grenade thing
1: <laughs> the recycler charge i yeah. love this thing <laughs>
0: Yeah, so what this does is it it's basically a portable version of the recycler stations where you could put your resources in and get, you know, put your items in your trash and get resources from it. But it's like a grenade, so you can throw it at enemies and explode them into resources. Or you could use it as a traversal option, like if there's like a bunch of stuff in front of a door, instead of getting the lift ability, you could just throw this grenade at it.
1: Yeah, really, really cool item where also and you pointed this out in the room where you first find them you can just put a bunch of shit in the in the little container and then just blow it all up where you know it's stuff that you can't put in the big recyclers but you know if you just throw a grenade at it if you need some extra material
0: it's so good i that's a great room this this game just has a lot of good rooms
1: (laughs) and a lot of good doors (laughs) just ways to get into a place one of my favorites was there was a place that was super high up i couldn't you know get to it because the the elevator was broken and i didn't want to you know find the power reroute all the power or whatever so in order to get in there there there's a gate in front of it so i was like okay i don't have the hack ability to open to like hack the lock so i went around and there was a box in the way of a little gap under it so you know you just disintegrate the box somehow with the recycler charge then you can use a mimic ability to slide under it and now you're in the room (laughs) i couldn't you know get up to the top of it so i used the glue cannon to make a staircase up there and then it's just barely where i can't quite get to it so i had the other typhon ability the lift field which creates a upward gravitational like launch pad Um, which is mainly used to just smack enemies into the ceiling. It's the same thing that the poltergeist enemies use. So it's like, okay, I just barely can't reach it. So I'm going to place one of those and then ride it up and then try and land on the platform. (laughs) It's very, very creative where, yeah, I could have, you know, routed power or, you know, repaired the elevator and taken it that way. Or I could do a bunch of just other system things to get in through the window.
0: (laughs) That is the appeal of the game, really. And I think it has a good narrative too, but like for me, it's more of the exploring and the you know the the discovering of like what are these two having like what's the petty argument these two were having over email or like what's the like scientific reason why you're you need fucking recycle grenades? It's so fun in that way. what did you think of the core
1: narrative uh which one? <laughs> <laughs> because i feel like it's pretty segmented honestly
0: yeah i mean yeah but like the idea that like you wake you know you get the space station and then you meet january who is supposedly you and so it's sort of your past objectives clashing with alex's objectives to either
1: also your other past objectives
0: (laughs) okay okay you know what that's a bad question because i think the narrative stuff is good but it's all very jumbled in terms of what you decided to do what did you do
1: uh so i did pretty much every ending in the game because you know you can what is your
0: canon ending like what is your
1: um i think the the quote-unquote good ending is you are so the station is designed to uh research the typhon which is a hostile alien life form and january this operator that is told that is basically given your voice and is told by presumably your past self, says, okay, go destroy the station and all the Typhon on it. Just self-destruct the thing. You're going to die in the process, but, you know, them's the brakes. We're going to save the world this way.
0: Also the living crew, unless you do some side quests to get them a shuttle.
1: Oh, yeah, you would also self-destruct them. (laughs) Sucks for them. But you destroy the Typhon. Yay! Yay! As you go through, like pretty much right at the start, you find December, who is another operator that you designed. And December says, okay, just get out. Just escape. (laughs) And it's not clear whether December was made by you or maybe a you that was possessed by a telepath so that the Typhon could get to Earth. Or maybe it's just like... Morgan turning on the whole thing and maybe trying to take Typhon stuff to Earth or just self preservation. This is, I don't even think this is really an ending. I think it just gives you a game over if you do this, but yeah, you could just take an escape pod and leave. (laughs) So that's like the worst ending. The bad ending, technically, is you get both arming keys and you arm the reactor and you self destruct the station. At least, you know, from my perspective, because you killed all the people on the station. As you go through the process of getting the arming keys you alex then gives you alex your brother then gives you more options of they were developing a big null wave which is something that blocks like psychic communications for between typhon they were developing one that could hit the whole station which they were going to use to basically destroy the typhon's hive mind from within. So you can go through the process of uh, finding the plans for that, make actually fabricating it and then taking it to the part of the station where it needs to be to be transmitted across the station. And I feel like that's the better ending where you saved the station and everyone on it, but you also destroyed the Typhon. And yeah, they still have the Typhon Neuromods, which kind of is alluded to the fact that it turns the user into a Typhon. (laughs) so that could still be a problem but uh you know the day is saved
0: (laughs) so what do you think of my ending then where i armed the station blew it up but also got all the living crew out with me on the shuttle
1: that's that's a good middle ground
0: (laughs) which you do through a side quest
1: did you die in the process no or did you escape as well no escaped okay yeah i did that one as well so
0: and that's a cool thing. It lets you do all that. Um, by the way, this th- this was the mission. You have to. So, Doll is like a, another antagonist who shows up.
1: Yeah, he shows up at the third act. He's like, haha, I'm gonna t- kill everyone here." Who? I mean,
0: he's a little villainous to be villain, but I like him. I just it it kind of muddles the whole thing, but whatever. One of the side quests you can do is knock him out and basically, <laughs> against his will, fuck up his brain by removing neuropods. To get him to take you off the ship because only he can pilot his shuttle, which I did. But that was the question. You have to take his body to the med bay. Um, And so in the Arboretum. Okay. Okay. Let me back up, actually, because this is all kind of ties together. He will take Alex hostage at a certain point if you don't get to him first.
1: Okay. So this is something that I have never encountered. And also I looked it up and could not find any information about it.
0: (laughs) Him taking Alex hostage?
1: yeah i could not find anything about this
0: oh really so he does that in the arboretum and this is the moment um and it's like time like you have to get there fast to go save him um this is the moment in in the lobby the talus one lobby i got to the elevator but the lobby is just crawling with enemies and so i got into the elevator but i could not use the screen because there's a telepath there who like blocks usage of screens and stuff
1: a technopath
0: technopath yeah whatever that one and it was glitching through the elevator wall, which was infuriating, so I just sat there while you're getting updates from Doll, who's like, I'm gonna kill him. You better get here, I'm gonna kill him. Um, and then he eventually kills him. But if you go up there to his, like, office or whatever that is in the Arboretum, after that, Doll will be there, and he'll start shooting at you. And, you know, if you have the stun gun, you can knock him out. Which is also great, because then all of his shitty robots that suck to fight all die. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, very nice. Yes, but if you knock him out and don't kill him, that's when you can take him to the med bay, and then Doctor Igwe will come get him, and then it'll do the process where they go take out his normal mods, and then you can escape. Uh, you can arm the place and then escape.
1: See, okay, so this is, all of this was completely different for me. So
0: interesting. So the the thing I fucked up on was if you do all that in the arboretum. So I knocked him out, and then I walked over to Alex's corpse to go grab the story things. I needed his arming key, basically, and all that stuff. And after you do that, a scripted event happens where a big typhoon crashes through the Arboretum. It's a really cool moment, and it goes all zero-G, and you're all floating there. But, so the thing about that is, Dol still lives through all that. So it's he's not a corpse. The game doesn't consider him a corpse. He's alive. So... It's telling me, get him to the med bay. So in Zero-G, I grab his body, which is very janky. It barely works.
1: Oh, yeah, dragging bodies is a mess.
0: <laughs> yeah, but especially in Zero-G, because it's oh, flying yeah. it does, all over your doesn't screen. doesn't work. <laughs> um, but I drag him all the way to the med bay, which includes a moment where I have to drop him and then shoot my blue gun at an electrical thing that's fucking up. And then he floats all the way up. And I have to go find him and then do it all again. It's annoying. Um, get him there, and that's when it didn't work. That's when I had to reload and do... I had to drag him there first and then go all the way back up to Alex and start that event.
1: So this is wild because for me, uh, I did the same side quest, you know, you get you incapacitate doll, you take him to the neuromod lab, you take his neuromods out, and he can pilot the shuttle and he's not angry at you anymore. That's great. What happens though is that he took all of the crew members hostage by hijacking the air supply. So he's like, okay, if you don't come down here, I'm going to kill everyone by suffocating them, by shutting off their air, basically. So he's down in atmosphere control. You go down there, um, the door's locked, which was not a problem for me because I, while I didn't have the top tier hack ability to just open it, I did have the knowledge of a tiny gap in a window and you can mimic your way through it and then show up behind him. And he's not expecting you. And then, uh, you just inca- incapacitate him there. And then Dr. Igwe is like, okay, cool. I'll send an operator to go pick him up. Uh, I'll let you know when we're down in the neuromod division, you can come help us. So I didn't have to drag his body anywhere. You just leave it there. You leave the area and then an operator comes and gets it. Presumably so all of that was completely different. Like it was just, he didn't take Alex hostage. He didn't show up. Like all I had to do was just roll through a window. And then also I had to fabricate a stun gun. Cause I didn't have one <laughs> and then use the stun gun. And then there you go.
0: That is, that's is incredible.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just, you, you were talking about this. We were talking before we were recording and, you're like, oh, yeah, the part where he takes Alex hostage. And I'm like, I didn't experience that at all.
0: <laughs> That's so interesting. Did Alex die in your game?
1: No. So Alex is there when the big typhoon crashes through the window. You're talking it out. And then the typhoon comes in. And then since there's no air anymore, he's floating around. He's unconscious. And you can drag his body to his safe room and then seal it. And he's safe in there. And he lives.
0: Huh? Interesting
1: <laughs> It's just like completely different
0: That's so cool
1: Also I had the I had the mind jack ability Which you can use to make biological enemies Friendly for a little bit So when I snuck into Doll's room I just used that on him and he was like Huh what And then he just stands there and I'm like oh hey Don't hey, mind bud. me I'm gonna, I'm gonna pick up all the resources in this room Unlock the door and then leave And then go craft the stun gun And then I'll come back
0: That's really funny That's great We should probably wrap up Do you have anything else you want to highlight?
1: No, I think mainly just The level of freedom and reaction That this game gives you Where the game reacts to what you decide to do uh, is really, really impressive and makes this a joy to play and a joy to replay. <laughs> My first playthrough, I avoided pretty much all of the Typhon abilities except for Mimic, Combat Focus, and Electrostatic Shock, which uh, can incapacitate robots. Those are the only three I got, and then the rest I avoided because the game sort of de incentivizes you from using them because it's like, okay, the turrets are going to start targeting you the nightmare shows up more frequently, like don't do it this time. I was like, you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm just going to go full Typhon. I'm going to get all of the abilities and go wild. And it was a lot of fun <laughs> using all kinds of different, just nonsense and crazy abilities to figure out different solutions. Like, yeah, it wasn't super strong and the nightmare was after me all the time, but I could blow things up remotely. And that was great. So yeah, yeah the level of freedom, that caters to your play style and your, you know, like your attention to detail for the environment where, you know, you could do a long quest to maybe figure out how to open a door or you could notice something else to go through it. Or you just stumble across a different way in and then unlock the door from behind. Like all of that is really engaging on a moment to moment basis. That is something that is not, built around just combat like i think that's really impressive and is a lot of fun to play
0: <laughs> yeah 100 and in fact i would say combat's kind of the weakest part of the game you know sort of not, not bad as i said before just i think the exploration is really where it shines yeah um even if you listen to all this and you haven't played it still go play it like i still think it's worth it
1: oh yeah we didn't cover like half of the story stuff that actually happens just the main yeah. bits but yeah it's a lot of fun to just play around in as well it's a good sandbox of systems
0: we didn't even talk about how you can just go float around the outside of the out of the outside of the space station
1: (laughs) oh yeah that's great
0: yeah um yeah cool ass video game okay uh so thank you for listening as always i hope you enjoyed this if you want to hear about a completely different video game called prey we did that last time so check back in the feed prey 2006 uh it's very 2006 which i enjoyed (laughs) um i think we both enjoyed yeah, that very game quite cheesy a bit.
1: but yeah, yeah very fun
0: very different and yeah uh so this is going up a couple of weeks later so every other week give or take we we you know we we'll, we do a, another podcast called Safe station report on the same feed you know talking about sort of what we've been playing recently that doesn't involve this show impressions and talk about news and you know a larger topic typically so you'll know, be on the lookout for those it's not super regular but we do it so and, and I don't think we ha- we haven't sorted out what we're going to do next either. So keep an eye out. If you want to learn that, watch our Twitter at save station pod. That is where you'll probably hear about it first. If you would like to follow me, I am at Dustin H dragon Connor, where can the people follow you?
1: I'm at conifer SSR. I also run the save station pod Twitter. Um, so there's some overlap there. Still follow both.
0: <laughs> um, Anyway, um, thank you for listening, and remember to be good to each other.
1: Yeah, and take care.
0: Bye.